Welcome back to the Wrong Opinion, useless NBA trivia and garbage rankings. If you haven't checked out the trailer, if this is your first time, check out the trailer so you know what we're talking about. This week we're talking about the Brooklyn Nets. They started in 1967 with the ABA. Not going to talk too much about their ABA time, but they dominated one two finals uh, with Dr. J. Julius Irving where he became a legend. That's where his legend began with the New York Nets. In 67, they flipped to the, uh, to the NBA during the NBA-ABA merger. Uh, they, they really couldn't have kept uh, Dr. J with the money they were paying to New York, uh, to the Knicks, for a territory fee. So they had to get rid of him. And they sucked for a couple years, 22 wins in their first year in the NBA. First time in the playoffs was in 79, but they only won 37 games. Bounce in the first round with Bernard King. They end up having a nice stretch from 82 to 86 with guys like Michael Ray Richardson, Daryl Dawkins, Buck Williams, a little Otis Bird song. Five straight playoffs, four first round exits. Peaked at 49 wins. Early 90s, they had a nice resurgence. Derek Coleman, rookie of the year. Jazen Petrovic, Croatian sharpshooter. Came from overseas, went to Portland first, came over to the Nets after a quick struggle. After a slow start happens with, with international guys sometimes, especially back then, not weird. And Kenny Anderson in 91, athletic young point guard. Awesome stats. By 96, they were all gone. Petrovic, of course, died in 1993 in a tragic car accident. Devastating. Coleman and Anderson were victims of the too much, too fast, too soon era. Players were getting paid too much, too young of an age, and weren't backing it up with wins. So they were in, that's were in reset mode. After three straight playoffs, again, three straight first-round exits, but still, it looked good with that big three. Uh, not really anything until Jason Kidd came to town. He was traded for Stefan Marbury from the Suns. Starbury, nice stat, never took him to the playoffs. Jason Kidd, though, first year there, 52 wins and a finals appearance. And <laughs> holy smokes, that's their only time being above 50 wins. Now, they had one year where they would have finished higher, but... Uh, COVID knocked a couple games off their schedule. Two straight finals appearances. It was a terrible, terrible East. So you gotta really put an asterisk by those. The Western Conference Finals were, were way more of a championship than the actual finals. They made the playoffs until 2007. Uh, Vince Carter, of course, forces way out of the Raptors to join Kmart and Jay Kidd and Richard Jefferson for a really fun offense. Uh, they didn't really do much after those first couple of finals appearances, especially after uh, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Pistons, and then eventually Celtics came into the, their into fruition in the in the East. They just weren't beating those teams. They were not finals teams. They just happened to make the finals. After 07, Vince Carter led the team to two straight missed playoff seasons. After Jason Kidd was traded to the Mavericks, eventually won a title there. Now they had a nice piece after Vince Carter left. It was just Brooke Lopez, nice post scorer, good defensive player. But in the three years after Vince left, they won 12 games, 24 games, and 22 games. And in that last season, 22 wins in 2012, that was after the Darren Williams trade. That was a blockbuster trade nobody saw coming. The Jazz just wanted him out before it got ugly, sent him to the Nets. They ended up becoming kind of a semi-super team. And on 2013, they ended up getting Joe Johnson, too. So with the nucleus of Joe Johnson, Darren Williams, Brooke Lopez, they won 49 games. Nice little big three. Next season, they gutted their future to the Boston Celtics in a ridiculous trade. They got Jason Terry, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, all way past their primes. 
They backslid the next two years, made the playoffs both years with 44 and only 38 wins. Darren Williams aged way quicker than anybody thought, and it was gone. It was over. 2019 was a nice season with guys like Dinwiddie and D'Angelo Russell popping off, but everything really happened in the summer of 2019. Kevin Durant announced he was going there. Kyrie came along. They got DeAndre Jordan, who was kind of a stiff. Next season, got James Harden. And four years later, they won one playoff series. Missed a lot of games together. All three guys are gone. The future looks nice. They have a lot of wings. Michael Bridges is looking like an absolute star. But in 2019, if you said that this was what was going to happen, I would not have believed you. But let's get to the rankings. First team point guard, utterly obvious one. The, all I have to say is he took the team to their only two finals as really their only great player, Jason Kidd. I think he's, he's historically overrated, but he's a tremendous defensive player. He led the league in assists five times in five out of six years, and he willed his teams to those two finals appearances. Now, they had no chance against the Lakers and the Spurs, but he's a winning player. Shot dreadful from the field, 40%. Only scored 12.6 points a game for his career. He's peaked at 18.7, and really his assist numbers, they wouldn't you know, blow your mind. Only three years at over 10 assists a game, despite being number two all-time in assists. But just steady, really long career, only seven years, really six and a half years with the Nets. But in that time, their all-time leader in steals, assists, sixth in rebounds. He's a triple-double king. I think he's first in triple-doubles. And he ranks number two all-time in all NBA in both steals and assists. Became a really good three-point shooter later in his career. But when he was with the, the Nets, just dreadful. He, would, he, would, he was kind of the precursor to Russell Westbrook, a great three-point taker and not a great three-point maker. His best season has to be 2002. That's when he won 52 games. Jason Kidd, early triple-double king, but ultimately pretty flawed. First team shooting guard. It's going to hurt a lot of people because he really burned this city. Sucked more than he was supposed to. Vince Carter. He only played there four and a half years. It really feels like he was longer. That was one of his, that was his second longest stop. He was a real journeyman later in his career. Forced his way out of Toronto. It was really gross. Made the playoffs three straight times with the Nets before Jay Kidd left. But he was a 25 point per game scorer on about 45% shooting. He's just a guaranteed bucket. Did not give you a lot of defense. Did not give you a lot of team play, which is weird because later in his career, he became like the ultimate teammate. High flying dunks. This was a little past his dunk phase when he was closer to about his 30s. We could still score in a variety of ways. Terrifying offensive force when he tried, which is the big thing with him. Third all-time in points with the Nets. Fourth and threes. First team, small forward. This one's kind of tough, but I got to go with Kevin Durant. I mean, he, he was on the team for four years, only really played for two and a half. Came in 2019, missed the entire season with the Achilles injury. 35 games the next year, 55 games the following year, 39 games this year before getting traded. But in that time, he averaged 29 points per game, 5.8 assists, 7 rebounds on 54-40-90 shooting. That's absolutely unbelievable. Every single year he was flirting with 50-40-90. This year he became the first guy to shoot 55-40-90 split between two teams. He only made one All-NBA while with the Nets. Second team last year is only sort of full season with 55 games. And he only won one series. If his toe wasn't so big, he would have uh, he would have hit a game winner against the Bucks, sending them to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2021. But if some butts were candy nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. 
With 29 points per game, he is their all-time leader in points per game, if just accounting for the NBA. If you include the ABA, it's Rick Barry who played there two years in the early 70s. In terms of just the NBA nuts, Kevin Durant, all-time leader in their points per game. With a big caveat there, 129 games in four years. That's just devastating. First team power forward, this one is, this one was not hard to figure out. This is Buck Williams, rookie of the year in 81. Played there eight seasons to start off his career. He was just a fantastic 15 to 18 point scorer, 12 rebounds a game his entire time there, 55% shooting. He might have been a little bit better, more rounded when he was with Portland. That was also a better team, but the stats are just immaculate for a big man. Everything you'd want. Five playoff seasons with the Nets in a time where they were not making a lot of playoffs. Three-time All-Star, including one as a rookie. I don't think he was all ever NBA. All-NBA second team. All-NBA second team in 1983, putting up 17 points, 12.5 boards, a block a game. All-defensive team a lot. He is their all-time leader in games. He's their all-time leader in two-point field goals. All-time leader in rebounds, 7,500. And he was an early Ironman. He is 20th all-time in games played with 1307. 635 of them came with the Nets. Buck Williams, really nice career. First team center, Rook Lopez. Nine years with the Nets. Looked washed up, went to the Lakers, sucked there, and then just rejuvenated with the Bucks. It's a really weird career. But nine years with the Nets in both New Jersey and in Brooklyn. Averaged 18.6 points over those nine years, shooting 50%. Now, he was a pretty good low post guy. He was really good on the high post, that, that short mid-range. And in 2010, you wouldn't expect him to be shooting threes. But when he started shooting five a game in his last season with Brooklyn and shot 35%, nobody was shocked. Like, he looked like he could make threes. He just had to step three feet farther out. You want a lot more rebounds for him. He was really at like six his entire Nets career. Locked shots, scored points. He's their all-time leader in points still, with 10,444. Just four points above Buck Williams, the only two guys with over 10,000 for the Nets. So that's our first team, Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, Kevin Durant, Buck Williams, and Brooke Lopez. Uh, second team point guard, I really struggled with, with this one. I'm going Michael Ray Richardson. Made one all-star team. He had one 85, just excellent season, 20 points, 8.2 assists three steals on 47% shooting, five rebounds a game, played all 82 games. Michael Ray Richardson, I think that just that one season really puts him above the rest. He's 10th all-time in assists for the Nets. And I don't like playing the what-if game in this. This is just ranking what they've done. But he got busted for substance abuse. Not something you want to see from your star player. And has never played again. Banned from the league. But he, he could have been a Hall of Famer. Obviously, if you're doing drugs, your career is going to be worse, and then they'll kick you out, which is exactly what happened. I don't think there's any way he could have been first team all Nets, but he could have made the second team decision a lot easier on me. Uh, second team, shooting guard. Another short career, shooting the like, but Drazen Petrovic. In both, his in both his full seasons with the Nets, he made the playoffs. I'm kind of ignoring. So he played three years overseas, one year with Portland and then a year splitting between Portland and New Jersey. It just took him a little bit to get going. Again, for those overseas players, it's just a different game, different league. It took Dirk a really long time to get started too, so we'll give him some slack. So when guys like Luca start off hot, it's all that more impressive. But he's one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time. He was taking 2.6 a game during his time with the Nets. 
and shot 44%, 51% from the field. Never made an All-Star game, but 13 All-NBA in 93. In his career, he is third all-time in NBA three-point field goal percentage, behind only Steve Kerr and Hubert Davis, and he was taking more than both of them. Devastating career, should have been way longer. He really could have played till his 40s the way he played. Uh, just devastating car crash. Second team, small forward. I think this one is clear. This one is Richard Jefferson. He played seven seasons with the Nets. Their first finals appearance was the same year he came in as a rookie. So it's because of him or Jason Kidd? Uh, it's because of Jason Kidd. <laughs> uh, but still, awesome player. 20 points a game twice in his career. Really struggled to fit with later teams. So just really showed how good Jason Kidd was too. Richard Jefferson, great fast break player, good team player. That's why he lasted so long in his career. It's because he could, uh, he, he had high intelligence and good athleticism. With the Nets, he averaged 17 points, five boards on 48% shooting. And he's fourth all-time in points, fourth all-time in points for the Nets. Second team power forward, another 90s tragedy for for the Nets. The 1990 year, Derek Coleman, his rookie year, 18 points, 10 rebounds good shooting percentages, a block and a steal a game. He played five years with the Nets, made an all-star team, took him to the playoffs three times in the playoffs and 13 career playoff games for the Nets. He averaged 24.7 points and 13 rebounds. He had knocked out of the first round three times, so not great, but still. Fourth in rebounds, ninth in points. He could have been a really special player, had touch, got up a lot of assists. He could score when he needed to. He was a great rebounder, high percentage guy, and they started chucking up bad shots, started having a bad attitude, started not going to practice. If you look at his production outright, it gets way worse as he gets older. He hits 27, his career is basically shot, but his field goal percentage, all his percentages just hit the floor. It's really devastating what happens to some players when they hit fame. Second team center, third team center, I'm going Daryl Dawkins. Let's run through these nicknames. Chocolate, Thunder, Double D, Doc, Dr. Dunk, Sir Slam, Xanda Conan, the man Dunker, Dunk you very much, Candy Slam, Sweet D, Big Doc, Master of Disaster, Squawkin', Dawkin', Double D, Dunk, Sir Dunk, Dunk it, Pure Pleasure, Cool Breeze, Dr. Jam, and the Demon of Destin. R.I.P. Daryl Dawkins, high flyer, great dunker, chocolate thunder, shattered backboards, died in 2015 at only 58 years old, devastating, really known best for his time uh, with Philly, spent some time with Dr. J, but played with the Nets from 83 to 87, made the playoffs four times in that period, really nice playoff numbers, 18 points a game uh, for the first two playoff runs, shoot, <laughs> oh, I guess he only played two games that season, but shot 78% in two games in the uh, 83 playoffs. Not really as good of a rebounder as you'd think. Six rebounds a game for his career, five while he was with the Nets, but averaged 14 points a game while shooting 60% in his five years with the Nets. Nice shot blocker, a couple of game normally. Uh, a really fun player, this might be a aesthetic pick and there's not really another good center. Daryl Dawkins, really fun player. I don't know if he brought you a lot of wins, but one of the guys that needs to be mentioned in NBA history in a highlight Fiend. So that's our second team. We had Michael Ray Richardson, Drazen Petrovic, Richard Jefferson, Derek Coleman, and Daryl Dawkins. For our third team, point guard, we're going Kenny Anderson. Now he played four and a half years, by the way, more than Kyrie. And his time there averaged 15.3 points, 7.8 assists. Not great 
shooting percentages, but an athletic player who took his team to playoff wins, made an uh, all-star game in 94. He's third all-time in assists for the Nets, but just everything that was wrong with the NBA back then. He cared more about his appearance than winning, but when he tried when he was younger, he was awesome. He was a baller. Both he and Coleman got traded for cents on the dollar, and their careers tanked afterwards, and it looked like the right decision. So we love Kenny Anderson. Nice stats, fun highlights, but kind of a tragic figure in 90s basketball history. Third team shooting guard, Otis Birdsong. Now, if you've been listening from the start, you've probably heard Otis Birdsong talked about two more times than you have in the rest of your life combined. He was on the All-Kings team, but he played longer with the Nets, seven years with the Nets, averaging 15.9 points on about 50% shooting as a shooting guard. A well-rounded player, a couple assists a game. He led him playoffs, three playoffs, second round in 84. Now, he doesn't rank highly on a lot of stats, all-time Nets stats, but he is the third best shooting guard of all time. And one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was to highlight guys like him and his career, which is fun to look at back at some of these guys that kind of go lost throughout history. Third-team small forward, Bernard King, the Hall of Famer. Only played two years with the Nets, but in that time, his first couple years in the NBA, 20 points per game. He struggled with both substance abuse issues and injury issues, but he still made his way to become a Hall of Fame player. He had a great straight stretch with the Knicks, a decent stretch with the Wizards, then the Bullets. Really underrated stretch with the Nets. He was a certified scorer. He was really very similar to just vibe-wise if you watch them play. Very similar to Carmelo Anthony. They could score from anywhere. He didn't have the three-pointers that Carmelo did, but I mean, it was the 70s and 80s. What do you expect? But no matter where he is on the court, he is a scoring threat. Definitely peaked with the uh, the Knicks a couple years later. But all-time in Nets history, seventh in career points per game. He actually ended up finishing out his career in New Jersey in 1993, making one final playoff run. And in those final three playoff games he averaged eight minutes and 2.7 points kind of a step below the 26 points per game he was averaging in the 79 playoffs for the nets 13 power forward Kenyon martin he's not what you'd want from a number one pick that but that was the worst draft of all time in 2000 in 2000 there were three all-star players drafted and only three all-star games played between the three of them he played one of them in 04 he only played four seasons with the Nets, spent way longer in Denver than I think people remember. Uh, not a great scorer, averaged 15 a game on decent shooting numbers. Not a great rebounder, five, six, seven a game, but a tremendous defensive player and fit perfectly with what they were trying to do with Richard Jefferson and Jason Kidd. He would fit really well with uh, Vince Carter. I don't think they could pay him both though. That was the issue. But he made the playoffs in three years with the Nets and made two finals. And third team center is going to be George Johnson. Now, he wasn't transcendent, but he was a three-time block champion, one of which was with the Nets. Uh, 1978, averaged 3.4 blocks per game. Now, dreadful, dreadful score. In that same season, he shot below 40% from the field as a six-foot-11 center, only 205 pounds, but he could swat shots. Amazing defensive player, great instincts, could get up and knew where to be. Too many guys can get up without knowing where to be, but he could do both. He is second in career blocks behind Brooke Lopez. 
despite playing there for five fewer years. He's second in blocks per game of 2.8, only behind Sean Bradley, who only played there for about 100 games. So that's our third team, Kenny Anderson, Otis Birdsong, Bernard King, Kenny and Martin, Daryl Dawkins. Uh, the hardest cuts, uh, Stefan Marbury was a really tough position between uh, Michael Ray, Kenny Anderson, Jason Kidd. Uh, but put up stats and make the playoffs. That was the, the difference maker there. Same thing with Darren Williams. A really great star, one of the best point guards in the league. Formed a super team and just got old quick, and it's kind of devastating, honestly. Uh, Kyrie and James Harden, uh, just not going there. They gutted their team. They put up big stats. Kyrie played full season one time. It was a constant distraction that made them lose basketball games. So while his stats are insane, with the Nets, he averaged 27 points per game. 5.8 assists on awesome shooting, 50-40-90 guy in 2021 All-NBA that season. I don't think you can say his tenure with the Nets was better than Michael Ray or Kenny Anderson, even though both those two ended tumultuously as well. James Harden played there for months, so come on. Sean Bradley, this just had to be mentioned, he wasn't going to make the uh, the All-Nets team, but in his career he had six triple-doubles, played 107 games with the Nets. Five of those six triple-doubles came with his nuts. That's crazy. Uh, Dr. J, Rick Barry, uh, ABA doesn't count, but they have to mention Dr. J won a couple titles. Rick Barry uh, averaged 30 points a game in his couple seasons there. And that's where, for Dr. J especially, the legend really, really began with the New York Nets. Uh, Billy Paltz can mention him as well. And then Kerry Kittles, Keith Van Horn, barely missed the cut. I mean, they were part of the finals team, so it's hard to say that they're not among the best players. But are, were they really the most important players on those finals teams? And were those finals teams really one of the two best teams in the NBA? Were they one of the top ten teams in the NBA? Um, I don't know. But not putting those two over some of the guys that led their teams to playoff wins. If you guys disagree with my wrong opinions, tweet me at JakeClark underscore three, hashtag wrong opinion. We'll be back next week talking about another team that has titles in the ABA, but none in the NBA, despite one appearance against Shaquille O'Neal. Peace out.